Hello. There it is. A little bit of a delay there. I want to talk to you today about the what factor. And I am appreciative of my pastor that he has confidence in me to be up here today. And I'm thankful for all these ministers that are going to be filling in. Praise the Lord. Revelation 4.1 says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice, which I heard, was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up here! And I'm going to show you some things. Praise the Lord. God is good. Bless his name in the name of Jesus. Bless this people. In the name of Jesus, bless this word. Jesus' name. I wish I knew now, you can be seated, what I knew then. This could be the epitaph of a whole lot of people who have left this planet. If they could write it on the other side, hallelujah, and went on to their eternal war reward, they would say, I wished I knew now what I knew then. Now, this is somewhat... Lighthearted. I'm quite sure I have bigger issues than this in life, but I promise you that I would not have spent all those hours in a tanning bed without goggles if I would have realized that much later in life, multiple times a day, I would be seeing spots. If only I had known then what I know now. I'm sure there are untold thousands of people on this planet today that if they could say, uh, I would never have started this habit or that habit had I known then what I know now. Of those people standing at the white throne of judgment, there will be many of them that say, had I known then what I know now, I would not have, I would have lived for God with everything that is within me. It's the truth. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 1, 15 through 20 said, Wherefore I also, after, that I, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, mentioning, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of, his, of the glory of his inheritance in his saints and in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places <laughs> Ephesians verse 15 Paul mentions the Ephesians faith and love to all the saints this is a common theme with Paul. Many times when he opened epistles, he would say stuff like to the Romans. He would say, your faith is spoken out throughout the whole world. You guys got faith. And to the Corinthians, he said, you guys come behind in no gift. You guys are absolutely gifted. And, and, and you might think today, if all the saints in the world had heard about their love and faith, I would just close the book. I would just go home, church is over for today, my goodness, you guys are doing great. 
Hallelujah. But Paul the apostle had something a little higher for them. He had a call that said, come up here a little higher. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. With wisdom and gentleness, he would begin to instruct them. Hallelujah. About things that would cause them to grow. About things that would cause them to get better. Paul said in verse 17, My wisdom and revelation must increase in the knowledge of him. The character of Jesus is not just automatic when you get the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is that seed for the furtherance of our sanctification. But we have to take action and push beyond just the doldrums of life. We cannot escape the process. The Bible said uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ constrains us. We're being constrained today. And we cannot accept, we cannot escape the process. And why, uh, and why would we want to? Getting to know Jesus is the single greatest and most gratifying thing that there is on the planet. I'm sorry, but that is just the fact. Bible says in 2 Peter 3 and 18, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 17, there are great, greater heights of knowledge, wisdom, revelation, understanding, deeper depths of love. But we must push beyond just being good and dig out the hidden wisdom, the revelation that causes us to see and to know the things in a different light that we need to on a higher plane, operating beyond the distractions of life and not allowing those distractions to keep us down. Distractions tend to cause us to lose and lack motivation. How many when you sit down to be distracted have a whole lot of motivation to do anything else? And what, and what that does is it chips away at my revelation, Brother Paul, uh, Brother Plale. I almost called him Brother Paul, wow. But anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, bro. Um, <laughs> God is good. Um, where was I? Okay, so, so this is the meaning of that. Let me, let me explain. When you get something from God that is so good that begins to cause you to jump out of your comfort zone, immediately distraction will try to intervene and cause your motivation to fail and to cause your revelation to be put on a back shelf or completely forgotten. I speak from experience. Isaiah 49 and 4 then said, I, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing. Praise God. There are things that we do that are, that are worthless. And it chips away at our ability to stay strong in the Lord. Praise the Lord. I remember when I was young, probably 8, 10, whatever years old, I'd sit up late at night watching TV, Brother Playle. And I remember thinking while I'm sitting there, this is just, what am I doing? I wasn't in church. I didn't have the Holy Ghost. I wasn't saved. But I thought to myself, what in the world am I doing? What am I doing with my, man, it's quiet in here. Um, 
And then when I'd get done with that, it's time for bed, and I would, I would, uh, I would go to myself, what a waste of time. You know, of course, I'd do it over again and over again. But I realized and recognized in a, in a heathen state that I was not getting very far. I wasn't getting enough sleep because of Revelation 17 and 4. And they that are called, they that are with him, this is people on the other side, are, chose, are called, are chosen and faithful. So we know it's not just the called who make it. It's the called and the chosen. So what's the difference between being called and being chosen? I think it's kind of a Captain Obvious. <laughs> Apparently the called missed something uh, that the called and chosen did not. Apparently they ignored something that the called and chosen did not. I want to talk about firstly... What is the hope of our calling? Jesus said that many are called and few are chosen in Matthew 20 and 16. A calling is not just simply a calling. It is a calling that has stuff built into it. It has requirements built into it that we must be stewards of. The day he called those fishermen from the, out of the ship, he didn't just say, hey, Peter and Andrew, have a nice day. He didn't do that. He said, I'm going to make you into what I want you to be. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Praise the Lord. Matthew 22 and 8. Then said he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden they which were called were not worthy. He called them, it says, but they didn't do anything about the call. They just shined him on. Like so many folks today, just ignore Jesus. Ignore people, ignore Jesus. COVID did so much. That's, yeah. But anyway... Just brought it to a different level. The world might be crazy today, but don't let the hope of your calling die. I said this before I will say it again. I feel spiritually dry speaking, usually because I'm not reaching for anybody. I'm not really making a difference in somebody's life. All of my thoughts and all of my mind is inward. What can I do to satisfy me and what happens is, I get spiritually dry. Hallelujah. Second Peter 1 and 10, Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. The hope of our calling is only hopeful as long as I'm fulfilling the calling. Hope dies when my calling isn't being fulfilled. I get bored in church. I even stop coming to church when I'm not doing the calling. Praise the Lord. I'm talking about hope that preserves your mental state. Hallelujah. You can move, move forward now because you have hope in God. And I want to tell you, there's a wearying spirit in this world that is trying to cause the church to have no hope. But if we will stay in action for Jesus, it will not affect us. 
we will stay strong because we're doing the calling. One writer said a few things. Well, I'm going to skip that. Never mind. So I'm talking about Hebrews 6, 19, which hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast. And then Hebrews 6 and 10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you've showed toward his name. The hope of our calling is found in the fulfillment of our calling. Here's the calling, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, if there's ever a scripture in the Bible, Brother Playle, I'd like to water down. Just saying. Go to every creature. Who does that? I don't think anybody in this room, well, Sister Carlson does, but <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> I mean that in love. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. I really do. Praise the Lord. So, Elijah, Elijah, when he got his calling, Elijah came by and dropped a mantle on his back. And he began to say a few things. And Elijah just said, hey, what have I done to you? God called you. And so the first thing that Elijah does is he begins to go back home, take the yokes of oxen that he is plowing with to slay them, boil their flesh, and give to the people and have a goodbye party. He totally and completely turned around and completely turned his direction. He was accepting the calling to the ministry unto Elijah ministering, pouring water on his hand. Second thing is, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Deuteronomy 32.3 or 32.9, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Another writer says this, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Paul wanted them to know the greatness of God's inheritance in his people. We usually think of our own inheritance. We may have even read that to mean that's my inheritance he's talking about there. Because we're so into this. Uh, Sister Barb, Brother Booker years ago preached a message and it was called, it was called uh, Being Delivered from the spirit, I, I think he said, of what's in it for me. And sometimes our focus and sometimes our motives are a little bit off and we're not really trying to bring glory to God. We're just going through life and going through the, through the motions. But I'm telling you, God is looking for something that through eternity will be a blessing to him. I know the greatest focus of my life that he sees is the blood of Jesus. I get it. And I also understand that Psalm 39, 5, verily every man in his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. What do I have to offer God? Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. What do I have to offer God? Romans 3, 10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not I read in the Bible, in Matthew 13, of a field that a man undoubtedly had traveled through before. He had probably kicked up upon that treasure that was there on different occasions. But one day, 
Sister Pleo, he got just deep enough in the dirt to where that treasure started calling his name. Ooh, I'm valuable. Look at me. Jesus is saying, I'm so valuable. Won't you, won't you, won't you get your eyes on me? Won't you treat me like the treasure hid in the field? But here's the thing about this. He went and sold all that he had. Now, we just read through that. Sweet. But the dude absolutely got rid of everything he had. You could say, maybe even his identity. I don't know. Sold it to an identity thief. I don't know. He absolutely got rid of what he was. If we can put it in our terminology, he sold out to Jesus. And that's, and that's, that's the riches of his glory that he is going to parade. The church of the living God, the bride of Christ will be paraded around the throne forever because he gets glory when we're sold out. Come on, somebody. It's the truth. It has to do with his great investment in us. And our compliant response, reaction to the great investment in becoming like him in everything we do. I want God to be happy at what he sees in me. I want God to say, I could have him around the throne. He's just enough like me. Oh, and I know I'm far away. <laughs> wow, wow. No. But that's, that's what I want him to say, right? Well done. What are we doing to cause God to really know that he's got something? Person without, no, I'm going to skip that too. Praise the Lord. Number three, verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. His power to us, word reminds me of, reminds me of uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the things that I think toward you. His power is towards us. But what are we doing to activate that power? Praise the Lord. We have no idea the amount of power that has been made available to us. Paul the Apostle is saying, come up here. I want you to see what I'm seeing. Any preacher or pastor worth their salt will not just tell you all the things that happened to them from God. They won't say and talk about the encounters. You'd, we'd be offended. We'd go, oh, this guy's a weirdo. They're not going to tell us all of the stuff that they see. They're not going to give us all their woe stories. But Paul the Apostle said, I'm giving you some keys. I'm not going to tell you all about the dreams and revelations like he did in 2 Corinthians 11. He said, I was, I'd been up there. I, but I'm not telling you about that. I'll give you the keys to get there. 
And I think Paul is giving us some keys to get there right here. We have a great disparage when it comes to the understanding just what God has put in us. God wants to put revelation and understanding and wisdom in us so we can realize that everything he has, every bit of his power has been made available to us. Psalm 78 said in verse 41, they turned back and they limited the Holy One. I'm pretty sure that we're not much better. There's about Here's about the greatest suggestion and the greatest statement I will make today. Dive into God and everything with everything, with everything you have. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 1.20, it says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The only way that the power of God to that extent and level, Brother Playle, could ever be exhibited was with something dead. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, when death happens and the fullness of the time has come, three days have happened, resurrection morning is there and Mary Magdalene's at the tomb. And boom, he's up, he's risen, he's on his way to glory. Power happens when we die. When we're dead to this world, when we become more like him, power is an automatic. Yes, it is. Praise the Lord. So in conclusion, I offer this. Paul is saying to us, come up higher. I'm in a place you're not, and you need to be where I am. Now, I, I don't claim to be a sister Barb who's been in this for a long time, and she's just giant to me. But she needs to go up higher even though she's already up there. She's hanging out with Gabriel and stuff. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> but we need to go higher, right? Thanks, bro. And I'm almost done. <clears throat> Paul indulged himself in the what factor. What? Or in other words, what's the measure of to each person, it's different. But there must be a what factor in our life. What is the hope of his calling? And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward usward? Number one, he was up to his neck swimming, so to speak, in his calling, in which he had great hope. I'm now ready to be offered. He wasn't even moved by it, Brother Anthony. He wasn't like, I wonder if there's a heaven. He was so wrapped up in his calling, 
He had so much tremendous faith built in him. So much hope. He didn't think about that. He's like, I'm ready to go. Matter of fact, I'm going to run all the way to the executioner's block, history says. Number two, Paul was able, by the abandonment of his old life, to realize he was creating something valuable for the richness of God's own glory throughout eternity. Check our motives. And number three, Paul died daily so that the power switch, so to speak, to turn on in his life so that miracles of any kind would, would happen by the hands of Paul so that people would receive the Holy Ghost wherever he was. Didn't he did like, oh, I don't know if we should pray here in the public. He didn't do that. He wouldn't like that. People were raised from the dead. Living for God is not boring. To those who are plugged in to the what factor. Praise the Lord. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good, Brother Stacy. You, you have a tendency to look at uh, great men and women of God in the Bible. And, and maybe you don't do this, but I've done that. I thought, yeah, they were really genetically modified. That person's on steroids. Obviously, they're not normal. They don't put their pants on the same way. Brother Christopher, as you and I do. Do you look at some of them like that? You see a David and you go, yeah, he didn't have the same problems I did. No, oh, these men and women had the same problems you do and I do. And they get up on the, in the morning and sometimes they just don't feel like praying. Because they're dealing with flesh. But would you grab, Brother Scott, Philippians Chapter 3, verse 10. So you have this man, Paul, who had this incredible amount of intellect being raised at the feet of Gamaliel as a Pharisee. He tells you all of that. You read your New Testament, you'll find that. And he wrote so much of the epistles of the New Testament. And those were, as you've heard multitudes of times from this pulpit, that's not how you get saved. It's how you stay saved. There's more written, Sister Elaine, to you and I about how to keep your attitude right, how to keep from sinning, and how to love people, and how to forgive people than there is in the book of Acts talking about, you know, putting things in proper perspective. Repent and be baptized in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But Paul wrote this most powerful verse. This guy who had so much going for him. And then, boom, he gets on the road to Damascus. He is just, just read that yesterday morning, and he was just smoked with this bright light, brighter than the noonday sun. God got his attention. And he wrote to the Philippian church, he said, that I may know him. Anthony. This guy had some, he had some credentials. 
But he was writing from the bottom of his heart about this stuff, the same stuff you preached about, Brother Stacy. I, I kind of want to grow. I, somewhere in there, there's a responsibility that lies on my shoulders that says, I've got to learn how to do some things on my own. I got to get up when there's no one there cheerleading me and there's no one there saying, rah, rah, come on, let's go. And, and you, you just find that little place, that cubby, that little nook, that little closet, and you just, whether you bow or you stand or you lift your hands or you don't, you put them in your pocket and you begin to cry out, God, I need your help. I just want to know who you are. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. You know what that is? That's not my will. Nothing in that verse says, yeah, it's all about me. It is not. It's exact opposite. It's about him. It's all about him. He's got to increase and I've got to do the opposite. Stand, if you would, please, this morning. Thank you, Brother Stacy. The what factor? What matters, church? Jesus increases. What matters, church? I learned to get up.